friends, welcome to Womankind. This is your host, Kelsey Novitz, and I'm here with my guest, Christina Shaw. Hi. Hi, Christina. Um, Christina is one half of Shaw Photography Co., and she recently launched a um, creative coaching business called Aligned and Kind. So we're going to talk about both of those things today, among many other things. So, Christina, tell us a little bit about your businesses that you're involved in. Why don't we start with the photography end sure. of things? Um, our photography business is a husband and wife. I own it with my mm -hmm. husband, and we've been doing it for almost 10 years. But it started with just me, so it used to be called Christina Shaw Photography. Um, and I started it probably before I got married, but then when I got married, it was nice because my name changed from Mercurio to Shaw, and I was like, this is so much easier. <laughs> so I changed it to Christina Shaw Photography, and I shot for about a year by myself, and um, I was working full-time, and so on Saturdays, I was really, I would miss Brian at weddings, so I tried to drag him along, and I was like, just come pull my bag, and so he did that one day, and he's like, I'm not doing this again. <laughs> and so he didn't come to the next wedding, and I was like, I missed him, not missed him, but we, I was working all week, and right. I would work on so Saturday. So each other. Yeah, so I was like, okay, try again, and here, this time, hold one of my cameras, and mm -hmm. here, it's on auto, and just shoot a few photos, and um, one of the photos he shot made the blog, and wow. it, it inspired him to <laughs> to learn a little more. He kind of got really excited, and I was mm -hmm. like, see, you can be good, and so he, I tried teaching him, and that didn't go so well, so we signed him up for... Um, uh, course where he could learn how to use the camera manually and then um, we didn't really fully launch as like a husband and wife for another year or two and then um, slowly and it started mostly with like him as a second shooter and me as the primary and then it slowly started to shift over the next nine years where we became more equal and now he shoots most of the weddings by himself wow where um, <laughs> I, I think he shoots probably 15 a year and I'll shoot like five to eight mm -hmm. um and so if it's if it's a smaller wedding or an elopement he goes and does it except if he's booked um this year I shot two by myself when he was working other weddings which was unusual mm -hmm. which was the first year we kind of separated um which is sad and good because mm -hmm. we're always working together but it's also weird not working with the person you're always working with so right so now after all this time you started out like trying to bring him into it so you'd have more time to spend together yes. and you went from that to spending literally all of your time together yes. and now it's gone back to how it was at the beginning well we still <laughs> spend almost every second together so um because we both work from home and uh we have a daughter now so we have um that kind of isn't a, a bit of our time is spent with her oh that takes um, up time yes <laughs> but we i mean we are unusual in that we spend so much time together and that we like it so much. But I feel like sometimes we've been married for like 60 years versus <laughs> the 10 we've been married for. Because I'm like, if you think about how much time married couples actually spend together. Right. Like, you guys have we, yeah, we're, tripled, quadrupled yeah. that time. Right. So we've, uh, yeah, we, we're now entering 65 years of marriage. And, um, <laughs> no, but we still do spend a lot of time together, um, but minus Saturdays sometimes. Okay. But still, I mean, that's only like, five or six weddings that he shoots right out of the whole year yeah but wow. we, we're, we're better now at making time to go do our own things mm -hmm. and stuff like that but we, I I can say honestly we do enjoy working together so that's nice yeah though. so how do you what is it like working together like when you're both working from home because I feel like that could get a little like you we, know sharing time and yeah 
this year especially we made sure we set some work hours especially with Vera I mm -hmm. think that becoming parents last year was a little bit well she slept most of the time last year mm -hmm. so it wasn't as big of an adjustment as this year she's mobile so we had to set work hours and hire a sitter and so we have two computers but one's our primary editing one so he'll be in the one room going through the images I'll be in another room calling the wedding so we're not spending all of that time next to each other necessarily but in between we're always bothering each other <laughs> or saying hi yeah wow awesome so what was it like what has it been like being you're primarily a wedding photographer right so um what has that been like it's been great I mean it's definitely um shifted my perception of weddings I think when I got married I had a really big Italian wedding it was close to 300 guests a huge bridal party I think we were a 20 person bridal party and um 20 people so like oh, 10 people each yes, yeah, yeah. wow <laughs> and, and I didn't I just did what I thought you do for a wedding I didn't mm -hmm. know anything about choosing your own right story like I don't know so I just my mom picked the venue I was like I'm good I picked Brian I picked my dress and I picked the cake I was like everything else was up to my parents and my sister helped a lot but as I started to shoot weddings I realized that the more you choose or try to choose or bring yourself into the wedding day, we've really enjoyed working with couples that um, kind of design their day and do it a little mm -hmm. more intentionally than, um, you know, just kind of going with whatever you're mm -hmm. supposed to do. So we've seen a lot of trends change. Um, now I would say bridal parties aren't really a, as big of a thing or matching uh, bridal party outfits aren't as mm -hmm. big of a thing. Um, you know, you don't have to cut your cake if you don't want to. You don't have to do a first dance if you don't want to. You don't have to do, um, you don't have to throw the bouquet. Mm -hmm. You know, there's just things that have changed. And um, so it made me just realize that there's more choice. I think a lot of times we do things, and it's not just with weddings, but in general, we do things just because we think we're supposed to. Mm -hmm. And weddings, because they're such a cultural event. Right. Um, they're kind of one of those things where you see a lot of that. But we've seen so many different types of weddings in terms of like different cultural ones too, where they're being blended, where like the couple has to choose like, okay, what part of this culture we're oh, taking, what part of this one, yeah. and they're mixing them. And it's just been cool to see that the couples are having more ownership mm -hmm. in it. So, so what do you think has changed that has caused people to take a little bit more ownership? I think more weddings are more expensive, I think. And so, and couples are paying for it themselves a lot of times, where I think way back in the day like traditionally your parents would help or your bridal party even would mm -hmm. help throw your shower and stuff like that and I think I think that's changed I can't I mean I don't know for sure this but I think that's what I'm seeing from our couples is that they're paying for a lot of it and so they're getting more ownership and they're taking out things that they don't need right because either they don't want to spend their money there or there isn't a budget there um but that's one thing I think that's changed but I can't be sure because you know I mean I'm sure it's changed for some people but maybe not everybody right like, yeah it's hard to say right I don't I think also Pinterest changed well, it that's right. what I was gonna say I think like social media probably made things a little bit more accessible in terms of being able to see what other people have done right like having right more ideas. now you can see weddings from all over and you're like right. oh I never even thought about an outdoor wedding right mm -hmm. but now in Buffalo like we traditionally all have indoor wedding venues here and over the last few years we've seen a lot more backyard weddings mm -hmm. a lot more outside weddings and then and then which is kind of scary in Buffalo because mm -hmm. the weather is just you don't know what you're gonna get but um yeah I, th I think maybe probably a mix of couples paying for a lot of it mm -hmm. themselves and 
being able to see so much right on Pinterest or the internet and then choose what they want mm -hmm. so that's really cool I never really thought about that kind of shift because at one time it was just, like you said it was just like mom and dad swoop in right say this is what you're doing you say right. okay and that, yeah, yeah. we were pre-Pinterest. I think Pinterest may have came out like two years later oh, okay. after our wedding, which I'm somewhat thankful mm -hmm. for because I don't know if I would have been able to make decisions. Mm -hmm. But um, at the same time, you're like, wow, there were so many things <laughs> I didn't even think about, you know, mm -hmm. and so many, I, it, we just knew one way of getting married. Like, right. All of my family had big bridal parties, had big weddings. Mm -hmm. And so we're like, this is what you do. And how old were you guys when you got married? I was 27. I think Brian okay. was 28. Okay. Interesting. Yeah. Nice. Not <laughs> too. When I, well, yeah. Wait, was I 27? Maybe I was younger. Because it's 10 years next year. Oh, wow. I'll, I'll be 30. Okay. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I'm getting older. <laughs> We're all getting older. <laughs> yeah. So, aside from shooting weddings, you guys shoot some other things as well. Sure. And um, Brian's shooting a lot of families right now. Mm -hmm. I'm shooting some birth photography. Um, and I love those pictures that you posted of yeah, birth I love That's photographing so cool. births. It's been complicated during wedding season because mm -hmm. I always had to have someone on call if there mm -hmm. was like a wedding or, um, yeah, cause you, I mean, you can't really schedule. Right. Yeah. You have no idea, shoot. but they all, the ones that I had this year all worked out, which was mm -hmm. great. Um, and I believe like you're like with birth and just in life in general, like who's supposed to be there is going to be there. So mm -hmm. it does work out. But to have to explain that to a mom or dad that's hiring you to take those photos that, like, I might not be there mm -hmm. and I just, I have that belief is kind of, you know, you have to meet people that feel the same way too. Right. Which the people that hire me do have a belief. Mm -hmm. They're like, yeah, that's fine. Like, mm -hmm. we trust who your backup is and if they can't make it, we're good. Yeah. I feel like there has to be some kind of expectation like that. Like, yeah. things are not going to go as Doctors planned. miss births all the time, <laughs> right? right? Like, so I'm like, we're just birth photographers. Like, mm -hmm. we might miss too. Um, but I haven't missed, well, one, the baby did get born um, within minutes of arriving to the place of birth. And mm -hmm. so I didn't get the phone call until the baby was born. So oh, that geez. was the one okay. miss. But, uh, I mean, they were aware. Like, yeah, almost they, everyone missed the birth. You right. know? So... But yeah, I enjoy doing births and Brian's doing families and we do business portraits here and mm -hmm. there. We don't really share them or, you know, promote them just because they're kind of more... Like headshot kind of Yeah, things. headshots okay. and um, just businesses in general mm -hmm. if they need staff. Yeah, it's kind of headshots and a little bit mm -hmm. of like what's going on within the business and stuff mm -hmm. like that. Oh, cool. I didn't know you guys said that too. Yeah, I know. We don't... <laughs> you don't advertise. Yeah. That, but... And it's a lot of client return clients. Like they'll right. need... Something for yeah, something every else. year or... Yeah. Cool. So what is your overall mission for that particular business? For, for the photography business, mm -hmm. um, it's so, that's such a great question because a lot of it is just providing people with great images. But I think as photographers, we want to capture people's stories as true as they are and not come in and formulate Mm -hmm. how they're going to look like we want them to be who they are and then provide them with those memories so mm -hmm. that they can remember them forever just because I feel that life moves so fast mm -hmm. and so when you're hired to document a family or a wedding this is what they're going to be looking back on forever so our mission is to capture it as authentic and natural as possible mm -hmm. um but also high quality mm -hmm. so 
And I have to say, I've been in a wedding where you guys have been the photographers. I've been to a couple weddings where you've been the photographers, and it it is so natural. Yeah. You really, like, allowed the bridal party to be themselves. And oh, that's kind good of to hear. Like, uh, I, I felt very comfortable, yeah. uh, which is nice, because oh, I've great. been in situations where photographers have, you know, really, really posed people. Sure. And it felt... Uh, like, why well, my arm doesn't go that way. Why right, do I have to right. hold it that way? And there's definitely a bit of posing in in weddings mm-hmm. because, in general, we're not used to being photographed, mm-hmm. you know, by a professional photographer. And so we might slouch or yeah. our chin might be the way it's not supposed mm-hmm. to, like, to be, to be most flattering for a photo. So we'll encourage, you know, good posture. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, people aren't dressed up all the time, yeah, so that's right. another... yeah. But we try to make it as natural as possible. So there mm-hmm. is a mix of posing, but also natural mm-hmm. documentation, or at least to make the poses look natural, natural. and feel natural, not to make you do something that's uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. So right, yeah, I've had to hold people up before. Yes, I, I didn't like that. Oh man, we, I think when we first started, we would be asked that occasionally, mm-hmm. and I'm just like, what if you drop? I think one groomsman did drop someone oh, once. Geez. I forgot he was trying to play his. Friend like a guitar and his oh. knee snapped. That's what oh happened. Oh yeah, it was awful. And then we we made this rule that like no one's allowed to pick anyone up ever mm-hmm. again because we didn't ask for it. They it was like no, they just right. did it, and it was like you just well, had to photograph what's happening. But I could hear the snap, mm-hmm. and he ended up going to the hospital and was in uh, crutches for the rest oh of the wedding. Yeah, that's horrible. <laughs> so yeah, don't pick up your bridal party. Don't. Well, I do feel like for some bridal parties that could be their natural state. Right. And, Which is totally fine, yeah. right? Yeah. You got to just go mm-hmm. with what the people are doing yeah. sometimes, but. But yeah, I wouldn't like right. if the photographer was like, okay. Right. Yeah, if, especially if everyone's just like very chill, like, okay, now it's time to pick everyone up. Yeah. I don't want to be picked up. I know that for sure. So. <laughs> oh man. Um, so, all right. So now tell us a little bit about Aligned and Kind, which is your new creative coaching business. Yeah. So, While I was doing photography, about three or four years in, I started to realize that, like, I had a knack for the business side of things, and I found myself encouraging my photography friends to Mm -hmm. also, like, invest in the business part and to really get that part of their business down. Like, we were all really creative and Mm -hmm. doing good work, but um, when you finally run the numbers of running a photography or creative business, period and you realize the cost of it, it's mm-hmm. not the reality that you think. And it's interesting because I'll hear from people, or I did when I was first starting out, like they would do the math in their head. They would add up how much a wedding photographer costs by the amount of weddings you shoot, and they'd be like, oh, wow, you must make mm-hmm. a lot of money. And I mean, like, that's the assumption that I have made. Right, but then you realize how much you spend shooting weddings on your equipment, mm-hmm. insurance, your health insurance, your husband and wife team. Um, which not everyone is, but Brian and I do have to consider that. Um, and then just being a small business owner, the tax rate is higher because you oh, okay. self-employment uh, rate, and then you have to factor in retirement. Um, if you have a baby and you need time off, vacation, all of that stuff that people don't consider. And I don't think they consider paying themselves or mm-hmm having to reinvest in the business over time. So like you might, the startup costs of running a photography business are very small. I think you can start it up for like $12,000, like Mm -hmm. a legit, like decent business with like legal and everything. But then over time you're buying new equipment. The more you shoot, the more you need more drives, et cetera, Mm -hmm. et cetera. So these are things that I was thinking about before 
I felt a lot of my peers were thinking about. And so I was encouraging them. I was like, well, you're not considering these costs. Like you need to raise your prices. Like you need to think about this stuff. And so, and those are things like if you had a traditional job, like those things would be laid out in front of you. Absolutely. Like here's your opportunity yeah. for retirement. Here's your health insurance here. Like everything. Right. Here's your vacation time. Right. And so you're making that up. And I think a lot of creatives in general, they always, when they're starting off, they're unsure of themselves. So they charge very little mm-hmm. and, or it starts as a hobby and it's just like cash in their pockets. They don't even realize the cost. Um, but no other job pays you, like no other job do you pay people to work for. And what you find out when you run your business numbers, like the first year in business, we lost $5,000. Wow. And we were basically paying people to photograph them. Mm-hmm. And then you start to realize that, that is not sustainable. And so you have to either shoot a lot, like a higher quantity and do like a lesser quality work, or you have to raise your prices and therefore you'll end up shooting less and you have to kind of do a higher Mm -hmm. quality work. I mean, there's definitely tons of different business models and everyone's cost of doing business is totally different. So one of the things I found through mentoring that was mentoring other photographers was that I always had to have them run their numbers to find out what it what is it costing you to run your business. Like you can't just look at everyone else's prices and see what they're charging and charge that. You have to It has to be specific to you. Yeah, right. And your lifestyle and what you want for your life. And um and so a lot of that coaching that I did for photographers was business coaching, but also helping people set up an intentional business and like charging what would serve them and their families and their dreams. And so as um that's gone on. I found that I was doing that for friends too that weren't photographers and that were starting businesses and just encouraging them and how to set it up even not just financially, but just to be um, more confident in what they're offering and how to, um, when you're selling a product, have confidence in it that you're charging this much because you know really the other side of it, like Mm -hmm. how much it really costs you. So if you don't know those numbers, it's hard to be confident in what you're charging people. But, um, and if you're just starting out, and especially if you're a creative-minded person, you probably you're not even thinking about, about it. Yeah. that. And that was a lot of struggle yeah. I found with my creative friends that were super creative. That like Brian has no idea what number is. Like he's like, <laughs> I have to do all of the talking to clients about mm-hmm. numbers because he'll just like get them backwards. He's so much more creative-minded, and I'm more business-minded, which makes us a great team. But um, I get that. Like you're not even you don't even care. You're like mm-hmm. I'm just doing what makes me happy. I'm creating right. art. Like people are booking me, I'm good. And I'm looking at the numbers being like, yeah, but we can't, you know, go on, we can't even have good health insurance. Or, right. you know, you're looking at things like that. And I'm like, we're not saving for retirement. We're not mm-hmm. saving for a rainy day. Like we have to have a fund for if things go wrong in our house mm-hmm. like that. Which the, so anyways, this is a long story. Because <laughs> the line then kind of formed. Um, the the money part is one aspect of it because I think that it's about kind of switching your mindset and having an abundant mindset and realizing like your value and stuff like that and also um, the but it's not just that like so for aligning kind it's more of like being intentional with your life um, and learning how to take the small steps to change your business and life to align with um, your truest intention your truest purpose and stuff like that. And so um, I've been shifting the mentoring from photography into this. But as of right now, like I'm mostly working with photographers. And so it's been a little bit of a shift in still um, telling people about it and talking about it and also 
like when you start a new business again, like you're back at the beginning, <laughs> which is something I forgot. I'm like, it took us 10 years to start right. Shaw Photography Co. Now I'm at the beginning of Aligned and Kind. I'm like, I'm back at the beginning. So it still is learning that all the stuff that I had to learn through Shaw Photography Co. now with this business. Well, you do have one experience like that under your belt. So I feel right. like that. Will right. be helpful. It's definitely helpful, but it's just funny because it's marketing to new people again right. too. So I want to expand past photographers, mm -hmm. and I, I do have clients that aren't photographers, but it's also um, getting the word out that mm -hmm. I, you know, have valuable information for people mm -hmm. that aren't just shooting weddings. You know, so <laughs> so you did earlier when we were talking. You mentioned that at the onset, Aligned and Kind was going to be specifically for mentoring women. Yes. And now yeah. you kind of branched out beyond that. Yeah. My whole idea was to help women um, take conscious control of their life and, like, turn off autopilot and start making choices that, like, got them closer to their dreams and stuff like that. Or just, it's not even necessarily about achieving your big dreams, but just, I think we don't realize how much more control we have mm -hmm. over our life. And so encouraging people to just follow their curiosities and those lead you places. Um, and so that's very wise. Yeah. Well, that's how my whole life has turned out. And so <laughs> it's like, I have that, that behind me to be like, okay, like I know this works. Um, and you end up meeting the right people or you end up, I don't know, getting an email from someone doing a podcast <laughs> just when you need it. Um, <laughs> I know, but, uh, then I got my first inquiry from a man, and it um, was right at the beginning of when I launched the website, and everything on my website said women. And so I was just like, listen, if he's reading this and he's resonating with it, like, I can serve anyone. And mm -hmm. so, and it's been a great experience for me. And I did change language on my website because I was like, I think right now I had to go back to, again, being at the beginning of starting a business. Things are going to shift. And right now, if I can be more open to serving whomever wants to be served, like, then it will start to shift into being more, um, who it's supposed to be as I start to learn where my strengths are and who I can serve the best. Mm -hmm. But right now I'm like, I can't just say no to someone that wants this. So, right. and same with, um, I didn't think it was going to be photographers at all, but then that's what I'm getting mostly. And so it's the same being like, well, I do have a lot of experience there. Right. So yeah, you know what I'm talking about. Say, right. So I'm like, okay, maybe I should play into the photography mm -hmm. thing for now and just start building it up and then right. branch out from there. So it's, it is new, um, mm -hmm. but I feel also like with wedding season, I kind of had it on the back burner for mm -hmm. a few months. But so now as we're getting out of it, I feel like it's coming back to life again. And so. Nice. Yeah. <laughs> back into gear. I know. The new business. But yeah, I mean. You don't want to limit yourself before it even starts. Right. You know? So I think that's good to yeah. allow whoever is interested to come along. Right. Yeah. It does surprise you sometimes. Mm -hmm. So, Christina, where, if someone is interested in either coaching or hiring you as a photographer, where can they find you? There's two places. Right now I have our photography website, which is shawphotoco.com. And then also I have the alignedandkind.com. In both of those, on shawphoto.com, there is a coaching page that will lead you to Aligned and Kind, or you can contact me through there. Mm -hmm. I'm leaving it open. You can, <laughs> either way, wherever you feel yeah. called to. You can find her. And for photography, it's all on Shaw Photography. Mm -hmm. And do go check out Shaw Photography. 
Co.com. That's what it is, right? Co.com. It's shopphoto.com. Okay. We couldn't get that, which is it, it is easy to say. Mm-hmm. But um, we but, could, oh, shop photo. Yeah, that yeah. Is. But we couldn't get shop photography. Co. Mm. Someone had that. Mm. I don't know who. Who are they? Who are they? I, don't know, I think it was just someone that you can buy like the domain, and I was just like, I'm not buying this. Mm-hmm. Shop photo is easier instead of typing out mm-hmm. photography anyway. So, <laughs> well, check that out because they have really amazing photographs. So head over there. So now we're going to hear a little bit more about Christina and her life. So Christina, what is your your story beyond who you are professionally? Okay. Oh, that's interesting. I thought it was more <laughs> professional. Now I have to tell you my life story. Um, well, I was born and raised in Buffalo, New York, and I did not leave until... Like, I left, like, for trips. Right. But I never left on my own until... I was in college, and I was a nanny on Nantucket, wow. and that was my first time leaving, and it was really hard for me. I got super homesick. Oh, my gosh. Um, but the experience was amazing. Like, I still have a, a love of Nantucket mm-hmm. because it brings back these memories of being able to leave home and do something on my own for the first time. But, so um, were you with a family for, like, the whole summer? Or? I was, yeah. Wow. I nannied it um, for the summer, and then, which isn't that long. If you think about it. I mean, when you're that age and you haven't been away from home. Yeah. That's like, right. could be like an eternity. Yeah. Like I stayed in Buffalo for school. Um, I went to Canisius and we just grew up in a traditional Italian family. Mm-hmm. You didn't really leave home. And like the goal, my goal was mm-hmm. like, I was taught that you get married and you have a family. Like, mm-hmm. and I don't think I was taught that. I think that's just what I saw. And so that's what I thought you do. Um, which is funny because I didn't get married till later not that much later mm-hmm. but um and then we just decided to have kids for like a longer time after that so uh I think so my life story from there <laughs> I came back I finished college and then I was going to go to grad school to become a teacher in at Canisius in Buffalo but I was dating someone at the time that lured me to New York City and um so I decided to go and my parents were like, if you want to go, figure it out yourself, you know, you can go. So I just found the highest paying job I could and packed my bags and went. Um, and then when I got there, we broke up like within a week. Oh, which was, within a week? Yeah, it was, oh it was, it was so, I, for me though, it was such a pivotal time in my life because I don't think, like I was one of those people that was just like, you know, you're young, you're in love, you're like, this is going to be my husband, so it got me there. Mm-hmm. Um, but then once I was there and we broke up, I was so determined to make it work for myself that that's what kept me there. And if I had never moved, I would have never met Brian. So um, two years later, I mean, if I want to skip ahead, um, I got my master's in teaching in New York, got a teaching job, and the year that I got my teaching job, um, I had been friends with Brian, like we'd been friends through mutual friends. Um, but we ended up, me and my roommate moved to Brooklyn. Brian lived in Brooklyn. We, like we knew where, like the vicinity of where he lived, but not really. And we ended up living down the street from each other. Oh wow! So we started seeing each other almost every day, actually probably every day since the day I moved to Brooklyn. And, and now we're still, and now you still every day. Day. 
So we like we like seeing each other. Does Brian have ties to Buffalo? He does. So okay. we met through a mutual friend, um, which is why we were friends first. We all would mm-hmm. go see the Bills games together and stuff like that. So oh, he, okay. he always loved Buffalo more than I did, which was kind of funny. Like he was a huge Bills fan. He had all his friends still here, a few in New York. Um, and so we were dating for two years. And then after two years of me teaching and us dating, I just started to get this strong homesickness pull. Like my sister was having... Um, babies and I missed my nephews and my whole family was back in Buffalo and I, I got this pull to go back to Buffalo out of nowhere. It was so strong and I was just like, this is it. We're going back. So um, I think we got engaged like right around there and mm-hmm. so he came to um, and we just kind of blindly moved back to Buffalo and then as soon as we did, it was the recession had hit right before so it was very hard to find jobs. Um, I couldn't find a teaching job he struggled to find a sales job, which is what he was in in New York. And so, and we missed New York right away. We missed, like, being able to walk everywhere. I mean, Buffalo's changed a lot over the last oh, definitely. 10 years. Oh, definitely. Since you guys have been back. Yeah. And so we missed, um, not like, not having a car and just being able to order food at midnight um, from anywhere. <laughs> Well, now you can do that. Now you can. Right at the time, though, you like we have, to, we have to imagine back ten years ago. Um, and so, but what had happened was we bought a couch when we moved to Buffalo because we could. And so we were like really contemplating moving back to New York City. But the reason we didn't was because we bought this big couch, and it wouldn't be able and to go it was, with you. It wouldn't be able to go with us, and we loved the couch so much, and, and it wouldn't fit um, in any apartment in New York City. So we're like, let's just stick it out for like a few, like a year. Like, let's just stick it out. If we're still feeling this pull back to New York, um, then you'll go. Yeah, which is so weird because I always look back to why did I feel this strong pull to move mm-hmm. back to Buffalo? There was no job opportunities for us. Like, we really loved our life in New York City. Like, why? And it was just something inside. It was like, it's time. We're going. Mm-hmm. Um, and so a year after being... Well, not even a year after being in Buffalo, that summer we moved home right before I got married. I started uh, looking for odd jobs, and I think I found an internship with a photographer. Um, and I was just like, I need to do something because I'm so bored. I don't have any work. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, I can't walk down to the bar. <laughs> like, I think at the time I was living with my mom. We were living with my parents and Clar- Clarence. Oh, okay. so, we were like, so it was like pretty all sudden at first, right before we got married. Um, and so that ended up leading me like much like just a few months later after our contemplation of moving back to getting my first photography jobs and then shooting um just some families on the side and all of a sudden we started to also build the community here and which was part of the reason we moved home a lot of our friends in New York City were moving out of the city and so we found ourselves with like one last couple friend there it was really sad to leave them they're still there we still miss them but um I remember then coming back to Buffalo, it just took time to reform what we wanted. Right. So we needed to like invest in relationships. And I remember watching the Super Bowl and our friends bringing over homemade soup and bread. And, and us, we were both like, oh, we're lucky. Now we have this apartment we can actually have people at and mm-hmm. cook a meal. And so it took us a little bit of time. I think it was like six months to the date of feeling like we maybe made a mistake to realize that no, like we were just like missing our old life, but like, we need to form our new life. Yeah. So, and then with shooting photography, I was becoming very, um, I guess, creative, creatively inspired and so much more excited about being home because I had connections of people that needed photos, like mm-hmm. family and friends. And so 
um, once that started to grow, uh, I just felt like we started to find our rhythm here. Mm -hmm. Do you think it would have been really difficult to start the business in New York versus here? I think about that, and I don't think there is an answer. I think that I could have if I mm -hmm. wanted to. I just, I remember journaling about, like, because I learned um, photography in high school, but I relearned it again in New York City. Um, and I remember journaling, like, it would be great to be paid to be a photographer, but, like, mm -hmm. who pays photographers? Like, I didn't know there was work in yeah. photography. So I don't think my mind knew there was opportunity there. Mm -hmm. um, I think I had to come home to find it. But I think if I had just waited long enough in New York, it would have it would have clicked. I would have been like, yeah. oh, you can shoot families and weddings. Mm -hmm. Like, I didn't know that was an option. I mean, there's many things you could shoot, but I just, my brain had never heard of a photographer mm -hmm. making money before. Or having a career. And look at you now. Yeah. So, <laughs> so yeah, I think that was all, like, it all kind of led to, you know, where we were supposed to be. And um, now with our business, it, it's very important for us to travel a lot, just to stay inspired. Like, we love Buffalo, and we do shoot a lot here. But we love also the freedom that our business gives us to be mm -hmm. able to go away in the winters when it's really cold. And... Um, explore new cities and stuff like that and we return to New York City once or twice a year just because we do miss it and um, we get our fill and, yeah, then, and then and then especially with having, yeah, yeah, with having Vera this last time I couldn't find a parking spot for almost an hour and I was oh, like geez. this is why we move yeah. <laughs> like this is why we live in Buffalo yeah those different stages of life would yeah. be very different but it's always in the back of our mind. We're always like, maybe we'll move back one day, you know? <laughs> and I think it's just, like, fun to keep that in the back of our mind. But, you know, we're pretty invested here. So. Yeah, it sounds like it. <laughs> Put down some roots here for sure. Right. So I think we'll get into the womanhood questions now if you're ready. Yes. So what does it mean to you to be a woman in 2018. In 2018. <laughs> um, so I, the first word that came to me was um, brave. And I feel that um, right now I'm just seeing so many brave women um, start businesses, speak up, show themselves, um, get involved where they otherwise normally wouldn't have, and tell stories and do things that you know, scare me, but I'm just like, wow, like women are so brave right now. And I think it's encouraging. That word is like the same word that I feel like what it means to me, because I think that this is the time that we, there's never been like a time like this where you can be brave and stand up and be supported. And other people are saying me too, mm -hmm. or they're, you know, being encouraged when they hear your voice to say that they also can stand up and have a voice as well. So I think it's brave right now because it's still at the, you know, it's still new. Like mm -hmm. I think that there's a lot, not just with the Me Too movement, but in general with women just showing up and showing their faces. I feel like it's been a slow and like now it's just like you can, you mm -hmm. know, but it's still scary if you haven't done it before. Right. And I feel maybe that, you know, the ability to speak up has presented itself before, but not quite in the way that it's been presented now. Sure. Like, I feel like early 90s, like that kind of time where women were like kind of gaining a lot of traction in the workplace, it was this, there was this idea that you could speak up, but you had to try to speak up and try to conform and yes, be like right, yeah. a man. Yeah. And now women are able to, hopefully, I think, 
be women. Right. And kind of, like, forge our own path instead of trying to be, like, what was already right. there. Yeah, we can be whatever we want. Mm -hmm. And so, but I think it takes bravery to be whatever you want. Mm -hmm. Because, especially if there is this one model that, you know, our society shows us, is what a man or what a woman is. Mm -hmm. It's like, so I do, that's why bravery just kind of stuck with me because I'm mm -hmm. like, you can really, you can be anything right now and you can have a voice, mm -hmm. but you just have, you to, have be to be brave, brave enough and to do, do it. it. Yeah. yeah. Which, yeah. So <laughs> We're both working on it. <laughs> I know. I know. How many times did I tell you I was scared to come and just talk here, you know? And now look how it's going. It's right? so easy, isn't it? <laughs> As I'm dripping sweat. <laughs> Well, that's because it's hot out. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm drinking hot tea. So. <laughs> so I think you answered both, like, what it means to be a woman in general and what it means to you. Yes. Or, did you have anything else? No, okay. to me it's the same thing right now. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, so what are your favorite parts and your least favorite parts of being a woman? Um, my favorite part of being a woman is the connection and vulnerability that we're allowed to have naturally. So I think that, yes, we're raised, like women and men, like in, of my generation, we were raised a certain way, but we were raised to be allowed to connect with other women and be vulnerable with them. And so um, my favorite part specifically is just the women that I get to connect with and share with mm -hmm. and that I have around me and I do like this very often, like I have a monthly meetup with a group of women and I have other women that I make sure I see regularly every week just to be sure I'm connecting and sharing and learning from each other. Um, and it's not to say men don't do that, but like, I don't see it as much in the space. Um, especially, I mean, I can just give the example of when I was pregnant with Vera, like I went to prenatal yoga once a week and there was a group of women there and there would be tears and laughter and sharing and, and Brian didn't have prenatal yoga, right. not that he needed it, but there's not even anything that offers him this. Mm -hmm. Um, and even if it was like a man's meetup, it would be so much different. Like right. it, um, I know in our birthing class group, like they separated the men and women, um, and the women were just all sharing, sharing, sharing. Mm -hmm. And I was like, so how was your, and he's like, oh, kind of quiet. Like, you know, so mm -hmm. I love that as a, a woman that we get to connect and share, um, we're like, there's, it's allowed, I feel like. Right. So. Well, and also it's like, to some extent expected. Yeah. Too. True. Yeah, it is. Mm -hmm. And it's not to say you have to, I always feel right. like, you know, you don't have to, but it's my favorite part because mm -hmm. I like it. So. I like it too. I feel like I sometimes I can be a little bit guarded, but sometimes, like, yeah. depending on the context, I can just spill. And yes, it, it yeah. just comes more naturally right. to be in that space. Yeah. Um, my least favorite part has, and it's always been a, a struggle for me because I've been always sort of a tomboy. Like, I was, and it's not to say, like, I've been the, I guess, stereotypical, what you would say is a tomboy. Now you wouldn't even have to say it. But as a kid, I was the girl that wanted to play hockey and was the only one on the team. Mm -hmm. And I wanted to collect worms and feed the birds. And I didn't want to wear dresses. I wanted to play outside with all the boys in the neighborhood. Um, and as I got older, I felt like it was hard for me to... And it still is now, like, as I was telling you before, mm -hmm. like, I don't have, like, a, I don't love wearing nice clothes or makeup or jewelry mm -hmm. or getting dressed up and stuff like that. And it's not to say that that's what women have to do, but I feel like there's this expectation um, if I'm, 
especially if I'm going to shoot a wedding, like I need to be dressed a certain way and, you know, wear makeup and mm-hmm. like I got ready. Like, so know? like in that context, because I think a lot of times like men or people that maybe just don't understand, they would say, well, why don't you just not, if you don't want to do, do that, why don't you just not do it? Often I don't. Like, mm-hmm. I do fight the stereotype mm-hmm. a lot. Um, but it's hard because I think I grew up. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm still untraining my mind mm-hmm. from what I was grown up with. Right. So, like, I was of the generation of the magazines or, like, how to apply makeup right. and, like, how to lose 20 pounds and um, the best dress for this. and You know, and so I just was thought that that's how I should be Mm -hmm. and I always felt like I wasn't so it was a little bit of a why am I so different you know and now as I'm older I embrace it more and I'm um like I try to find clothes that I like that resonate more with me I just Mm -hmm. not into clothes I've always been a hard thing (laughs) yeah you're really not into clothes I mean it's always curious to me that like why do I feel better when I put makeup on Mm -hmm. like Especially if I don't do it often. Like, what is it? And do you? You do feel a little bit different? Well, I think, you know, when you work at home, you don't have to... That's one of the perks for me. And I don't have to wear makeup. And I don't even have to shower if Mm -hmm. I don't want to. So I don't know if I associate putting makeup on with showering. Because, like, I tend to have to shower when I have to do something like a wedding. Um, So I probably just feel like I probably just feel better because I've showered. (laughs) um, And... But I might be associating it with the makeup, you know. Mm-hmm. Sometimes if I just shower, I feel better, mm-hmm. you know. But I, I think there's just, like, I, I don't wear makeup often. Mostly in public, I don't really care either. But in the back of my mind, I'm like, what if I run into blah, blah, blah. Right. Like, you know, and I just, my hair hasn't been washed in a week. And Well, that's, I've, like, lately, because, like, I'm similar where I don't really wear makeup that often. Don't yeah. really, like... Well, I guess I do kind of dress up a little bit um, for work and stuff, but I've been separating it into, like, two categories where there's one category that's kind of, like, like extra, like, ornamental, and then yeah. there's one that's, like, basic hygiene. Right, right, <laughs> and right. And sometimes, you know, sometimes I don't achieve that the yeah. basic hygiene, but I think that you, the people in general just feel good when they achieve that. The basic hygiene, the re- yes, yes, yes. And then the rest of it is just kind of, like extra yeah, or true like or for me at least I, I think, it's not like that for yeah me. I think that it's interesting because it might be my least favorite part of being a woman is that society shows us so many women with makeup and dressed a certain way mm-hmm. and that I don't resonate with it as much but the more the older I get the more I realize it doesn't matter and I see so many people not fitting that mold right. that have been inspired me to be like, no, you just be who you are. Right. Um, and it's totally fine and acceptable. And obviously my friends and family know how right. I am. They know. don't care. Yeah. They love me. But um, it, I think that the cool part also is that we're in this a day and age where if you do enjoy makeup and getting dressed mm-hmm. up, like it is starting to change where like you can be that person or you can be this person. Right. You don't have to be either of those or you can be both of them. Right. Like Sometimes some days you can. Yeah. And I think that the part of me that struggled so much is when I was growing up, it felt like I had to be right. one. Like if I wanted to get a good job, if I wanted to, you have to play the part. Mm-hmm. And again, I've been really working to let those that mindset go. Mm-hmm. Like you, there is no part to play. Like you mm-hmm. just can be you. Um, but that was probably for me the biggest struggle is that mm-hmm. that's what I was taught. So. Mm-hmm. It's the hardest thing to unteach yourself, like right. the things you grew up with. So, well, and I have, I have just to kind of elaborate on that a little bit. Um, 
I guess, and I don't know if this applies in your profession, but we were talking about it a couple episodes back about people who are, like, in front of a camera or on TV or doing something, or, like, comics we were talking about specifically, like, there's this expectation that women in those roles are going to look a certain way. And if they don't look a certain way, then they're either not going to get the job or going to struggle with whatever they're doing. So I don't, does that affect you? So there's there's some great photographers, and not just photographers, creative people Mm -hmm. right now that, especially with the way Instagram lets you go live Mm -hmm. and just show who you, Mm -hmm. there's a lot of them breaking that mold Mm -hmm. and gaining traction doing it and just encouraging people like you don't have to do this you Mm -hmm. can be in front of the camera and just be who you are Mm -hmm. and there's people they're doing it with no makeup they're doing it with you know um skin conditions that otherwise Mm -hmm. like they cover up or um I just feel like they're they have their stained shirt like Mm -hmm. they're on a shower and then they're saying it and they're like this is how I am and Mm -hmm. You know, but I'm still here to tell you you're enough, and that's what they're doing, and it's encouraging, and um, it's still very hard for me. Like, I, you know, with coaching and photography, we're trying to show our faces more, because I think people need to see you to Mm -hmm. resonate more with what you're offering, Um, and I'm like, oh, but I don't shower all week, so when am I going to be able to show my face? And so it it has been a lot of working through that for me, because I still have that conditioned belief that Mm -hmm. I have to... Right. get my hair ready and makeup on to mm-hmm. be seen. So, yeah. Well, let's unlearn that. I know. We're working on it. <laughs> we're working on it, yeah. I'm sure in the next, once I start making, once you make the the jump and you just do it, I think it's fine. I think yeah. it's just the first step of mm-hmm. doing it the first time. Well, and it's also hard. Like, I've struggled with that on for this show. Like, I haven't really wanted to make myself visible. And then when I do, I'm like, ooh. I don't want to get in front of, I don't want to be the person that's like, yeah. the spotlight is on. So that's a little Yeah, little you're going to have to. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Yeah, you do have to when you do when something like this. When you need photos, like let us know. <laughs> <laughs> you're, but yeah, I do find that it does help people connect. Connect, yeah, when yeah. they see your face mm-hmm. for some reason. Yeah. So regardless of if it has makeup or not. Right. Like, they just are like, oh, that's who I'm listening mm-hmm. to. So. Well, then I think, because I think people feel like they know you then in that case. Because I can think of like people that I follow on social media, like even like famous people who have never met before. I'm like, I know the personal details of their yeah, lives. Right. Because right. they share them with me yes, on social yeah. media. Right. No, it's true. I want a photographer friend of mine, like a long time ago, we did this retreat where we all got together and I had never met this one person that was at going to be mm-hmm. at the retreat and so when we met them or when we met her she said specifically to me Brian she's like I had this whole different idea of who you were because mm-hmm. I've never seen your face and you don't share anything about yourself on social media and so her idea of us she's like you're so much nicer than I thought <laughs> or and you're so much more like real yeah. and I was just like oh we're so reserved online yeah, because that's... we're so scared not scared but we're so like we want to keep this private right. this is our life, not everyone else's life. But then you hear that and you're like, how many people have we not booked because they just thought maybe we weren't nice or something? <laughs> or, you know, because they'd never seen our face and they've never seen a smile, they've never heard us laugh, they've never, like, they don't know our sense of humor, they don't know. But, like, you know. there is something to be said about, like, privacy and Absolutely. There's a, there's but, a, balance, there's a yeah. line. And I think everyone's lines are different. Yeah. Um, and I'm I'm starting to question. I mean, I always think of like great writers that write the most. That they write these autobiographies, and you're like, wow, like this touched me so, like, in a deep level because they shared something that no one else was willing to share. 
And I'm like, what if they decided to just never cross that line and share? And so I think a lot about that with art because it's really scary to put your art out there and just owning your own business, put yourself out there. Um, but I'm like, you have to draw the line for yourself, but also don't not share out of fear. Right. Like, if it's authentic and it's something that could resonate, like, share because it could connect you to people. It also Absolutely. could change someone's life because they're like, wow, that I've never heard it this way before. So I'm always questioning, like, am I not doing this because I'm just scared? Am I not doing it because I haven't showered for a week? Like, why am I not putting our face out there? Is it because I don't like the way I look? Like, you know, what is it? And questioning those things. Like, yeah. what is it that, you know... And sometimes, I mean, when you were talking about writers in particular, this popped into my mind, like, that can hurt. When people are super vulnerable and yeah. they're putting their story out there and it doesn't paint someone in the best light, like, that can hurt people. Right. That's another thing yeah. that can deter people from Oh, sharing. yeah, absolutely, for sure. Someone once, was this quote? I can't, I don't know it exactly, but it's something like everyone's just waiting for, like, their parents to die so they can be who they really want to be. <laughs> oh or, like, it's like a quote, like, you're always kind of, you want to make sure that you're not yeah. upsetting your, like, kid, I don't know, or the people around <laughs> yeah. you. So. Well, that's, like, Sally Field, she just put out that, like, memoir, and, like, Burt Reynolds just died, and she, one of the first things she said was, thank God he died before he got to read this book. Oh, wow, Which yeah, right, yeah, it's easier to talk about scary. people when they're dead, right? <laughs> <laughs> not that it's great, but, yeah. But, yeah, I mean, you have to tell your truth. Yeah. Oh, and we all perceive it differently, right? You can tell the same story and someone else's version is so different. Yeah, so. that's true. So is there anything you think the world needs to know about women that it doesn't know right now? Well, I think I think we know this stuff deep down, but I do think that, like, if... I think the world does need to accept that we're enough the way right. we are. So, um, and maybe it's just women themselves, like, us all accepting we're enough Um just however we are, whoever we want to be, whether we want to wear makeup or not, whether we get angry or not, like whatever we are is enough. And I feel like the world needs to stop putting us in a certain box. And I don't know, like if you're acting unwomanlike, you know, like what does that mean anymore? Like we can act however we want and be whoever we want. So I think that just yeah, the world needs to know we're, we're enough just the way we are, however that is. We can dig more into that. My story of subversion for today is Serena Williams, so yeah. we, we will talk more about that. And that, did, I, that crossed my mind this week, too, as I was looking through the questions. I was like, yeah, I just that one definitely is so interesting because mm-hmm. she's allowed to get angry, right? right? But I guess not. Right. So, you know, the world does need to know, like, She's allowed and she's enough mm-hmm. and just the way she is, if it's angry or not. You right. Know? I mean, we can talk about that right now if you want. Sure. We, <laughs> okay. we, you, so, perfect goes into it. So I mean, I don't, you know, this. I didn't research this very well and I also know very little about tennis. So just in general, Serena Williams um, was in the U.S. Open. That's what it's called, right? The It was the U.S. Open. U.S. Yes. Open yeah. Tennis Championship about a week ago, like a little over a week ago. And she um, went up to the umpire, and now I don't even really know how to describe it because I've read so many things that have said, like, Serena Williams was enraged and screamed at the official, but she basically asserted... She she voiced her opinion. She voiced her opinion (laughs) and asserted herself and stood up for herself, and that's really what she did. She was given three different penalties and was basically given infractions for the way that she was reacting and in comparison to other like 
men that have played tennis um, and have had similar or more escalated reactions, um, she was punished for it. And it's not fair. Yeah. And I think that in general, this happens, I mean, if you just, there's so many stories of women speaking up Mm -hmm. um, and voicing their even concern and being Mm -hmm. punished for it. And I mean, if you see that time and time and time again in the media, then it's so discouraging Mm -hmm. as a woman because it does scare you. You're like, well, if I do speak up, I'm just going to get punished, right? Right. Or I'm going to be told I'm outraged or that I'm, I don't know, hormonal or something. I don't know. Like, there's always something. I'm like, I'm allowed to just disagree. Right. And have an opinion and be angry, right? And but men are praised for being angry. They're told they're like the language that I just used about like her asserting herself. That's what someone would say yeah. about a man who did the exact same thing. They would Absolutely. say, "Good for him. Yeah. He really spoke his mind." It's so interesting because I'm raising a daughter right now, and um, when she is having a moment or acting a certain way that might be less than ideal, I'm very patient with her because I also don't want her to. I don't know. I don't want to like. Do you not want her to not express her? I know. I'm like, yeah. she's obviously feeling something right yeah. now, and she's allowed to, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but I'll notice people around me being like, "Oh no, no, no! You can't act like that!" Like you know, and I'm like, "Oh no, no, no! She can. Right. Like, she can act like this. Like it's okay. <laughs> she's a a toddler, and she doesn't have words, and she can act like this, and it's okay." But um, you'll just hear like whispers, like, "Oh, she's gonna give them a run for their money," or mm-hmm. she's. And I'm just like, "You're. She's just." expressing herself it's okay and I mean there's a fine balance you know right there's definitely behaviors like we don't want to encourage or but there's times where I'm just like she's just frustrated right and and can't talk yet and this is how she's telling me she's frustrated and it's okay and so it's something I've been very conscious about interesting um because it is interesting the difference between how will let boys be outraged or angry or whatever and our girls we don't want them to be Mm -hmm. You know, we want them to behave and be good girls. Right. You know? Right. That's so pretty much exactly what happens with that. And then yeah. someone like Serena Williams, she's not behaving. She's not behaving in the way that people expect her to and want her to. Right. Yeah. Um, a, a quote-unquote good girl would just accept what happened and say, okay, yeah. th- thank you right. for the penalty. Yeah. We thank God for people like Serena Williams. Right. right? Absolutely. she is taking all of that heat right now for our benefit right for our daughter's benefit like how much you know? more heat does she have to take like i feel I like know. she's i don't know i think that it's so interesting um when people do decide that they're going to be okay taking the heat for like the greater good too and i think it does i mean it changes the people watching it right mm-hmm. so i'm like okay like i see you and mm-hmm. and honor that you're doing that for us so and where would we be without those people? Yeah, I don't know. Nowhere. <laughs> right. Yeah, yeah, I know it's true. Well, so. and Serena Williams, she's up against not only is she up against like stereotypes about women in general and how women should behave, but she's also up against stereotypes against women who are black. Oh, absolutely. Um, yeah. And we I've talked about this in an earlier episode with Angelica 
that there's a lot of assumptions made about black women that there's like the the trope of the like angry black woman yeah and so the second she gets to a certain decibel level in her voice it's people dismiss it as okay she's she's just an angry black woman right yeah which is not again she's just a human being expressing herself right and standing up for herself yeah, the media has to do a better job right so really i feel like they're putting the language out there and mm-hmm. um i'm gonna look it up right now as you're oh yeah what is the language looking you're looking it up the language um the some of it that i saw i was just like you got to be kidding um but i don't know how do we hold the media responsible i mean they're looking for clickbait right so they're looking for people to click and so their headlines are just getting more and more outrageous to get people to read what their story's about. Well, now there's a new thing related to her husband, and I don't know... I haven't read about this yet. And so that's what's, like, kind of dominating the top here. Okay, so, Christina, what are you... What issue that affects women are you most passionate about? Currently, and I think it's because I just went through it myself in the last two years, is that um, I'm super passionate about women having options and being supported and respected in childbirth, um, pregnancy, childbirth, and postpartum. Um, And I can relate because I went through it and I saw a lot of my friends go through it. um, And when I was pregnant for the first time, I really, like, you don't see birth in our culture. We don't really... And we don't talk about it a lot. I mean, the things we talk about are, they're there to scare you in a way. I mm-hmm. feel like you just hear these bad birth stories and how hard it's going to be. And um, so I did a lot of my own research and made sure I took childbirth ed classes and um, asked a lot of people around me their story and just tried to get a better picture. And then that led to me watching a lot of YouTube videos with birth because I was like, what does this even look? like, you know? And so, um, I made sure one of the things that was really important to me was to find a provider that respected our decisions and respected, um, just us in general. And, uh, you know, we were able to get a doula, which was amazing. And Brian was able to get on board and he also educated himself so that we both were aware, um, which really helped us during our birth. Cause we had a really long labor. It ended up being, my water broke on a Sunday, labor didn't start till Tuesday. Oh boy. Um, and Vera was born on Friday via C section. So and what a week. It, it was a week. Yeah. We were gone for a week when we came back for like, what happened? <laughs> like during this week. Like the, everyone was like, Where were you? Um, <laughs> but every step of the way we were able to make a decision for ourselves and our provider supported us and gave us the options. Um, and I was able to say no to things that people don't think they're allowed to say no to. And I was able to ask for things that some people would be afraid to ask for. And so, um, I find that just, there's not a lot of support for women in labor, um, or in pregnancy or in after, even with the postpartum period. And I think it's because, um, I mean, I don't know why it is exactly, but I do think there's a lot of misinformation and we don't talk enough about it. You know, a lot of times in early pregnancy, like you're not telling people you're pregnant because you can't or you shouldn't just in case you miscarry. And so that's something that's not talked about. And then um, people don't tell stories of childbirth because sometimes they're traumatic and uh, or, 
you know, it didn't go the way they thought, etc. And then afterwards, there's a lot with postpartum that no one talks about. And a lot of women experience a lot of um, a lack of support or, you know, feeling very alone. And a lot of different things are happening to your body and your hormones, etc. And so I just think we need a lot more education and a lot more support for women um, during this time. Um, um, so, but in saying that, one of the things is that there is a shortage of healthcare providers and I recognize that, um, not everyone has access to as many choices as I had, uh, which was a part of my privilege. And so I do recognize that. And so one of the things I'm really passionate about is making sure that every woman has those choices and is able to have a safe pregnancy and childbirth. And there is, um, a bigger organization called Every Mother Counts, that is a nonprofit dedicated to making pregnancy and childbirth safe for every mother. But locally, we have so many incredible people working for us um, that use evidence-based information to give women's choices, give them choices in childbirth. And a lot of people don't even know about these providers. I didn't know about them until I started researching, but we have the Buffalo Birthing Center, the Birthing Center of Buffalo, we have Pika Midwifery, Buffalo Midwifery. That's just naming a few. There are doctors too that are, uh, give women choices. And I, I only learned this a couple episodes ago from my cousin who was on the show, who is a midwife and she, oh, yeah. she went to school here in, at UB and I mean, many years ago and now she works in North Carolina. Um, but yeah, listen to Maureen's episode if you okay. want more information yeah, about this, but she mentioned a lot of the centers that you mentioned. Yeah. And Eileen Stewart from um, Buffalo Midwifery Care is starting or has started an organization it's called the full term program that seeks to fill the needs of the african-american urban community by providing midwifery model care natural birthing options and birth support from their peer group um which is a huge need because um, it's easy for me to be like everyone should educate themselves and pick the provider that you know will support their decisions but the truth is a lot of people don't get a choice. Mm -hmm. They're just given a doctor and they're not told they have options and that's that. Or they're turned away um, if they don't have the right insurance from the type of provider they want. And so I just think that we need more, just more support. I don't know. And I feel like it's one of those things that um, you're in, you're pregnant and you're in labor and then you're in the postpartum period. And it's a short period of your life and it's so intense and you're in it. And then you're out of it and you kind of forget about it. And, or before you're in it, you have no idea it exists. Mm -hmm. So there's only like this small group of like women that are in it. And it's these women that need to make the change. Not just these women, but these people that are in it right then. Because that's when you can have the most power is when you you know how important it is because you're living it. Mm -hmm. So I am very passionate about it now. And I hope <laughs> that, you know, I, I mean... I have a daughter. I don't know if she'll ever have children, but like for her sake and for the women um, that are coming after me, like you just want everyone to feel safe during such a vulnerable time of your life. It is very vulnerable. So, and I imagine that makes it really hard to like speak out or, I mean, you're absolutely. And like, there's so many, I think the thing is there's so many options, right? Or you do have, there are options, right? Sometimes you don't know you have them. But whatever you choose for yourself is fine. But I think people are, they'll think one way is right or one way is wrong or it's its this way or, and it, it's not none of that. But you have to choose for yourself what you want. And then once you choose for yourself what you want, 
you should be able to own that and know that's what you chose for yourself. And you should be able to trust in your provider too, right? Like that's why we have doctors and that's why we have providers um, because they should know more than us, right? Or right. I hope so, so. I mean, so it, it's amazing that after you have your baby, how much the misinformation comes with when you're trying to breastfeed and like you, there's everywhere you turn, it's something different. And it's just like trying to go through that all and figure out what works. I'm like, we should be... There should be something to streamline, right? Right. Like, but I mean, there's so many different scenarios. Yeah. So, but I think just being supported and knowing you're not alone and being able to make a decision and say like, hey, whatever you decided for you is totally fine. Like you made that for yourself for whatever reason you did and no judgment there. Mm -hmm. But yeah, a lot of times you'll make a decision and you might be, I mean, I can't tell you how many times. Like I was, um, we had chose to go epidural free and when our doctor who was supporting us left the room, the nurses would be like, you know, you don't have to do that. You know, you don't, they don't even make you do that. Like they thought it was them. Like, I was like, I listen, like I chose this and you're assuming that I didn't for some reason and right. I'm, I'm good. Like, thank you. Mm -hmm. <laughs> but you don't need to ask again. I'm good. Right. So... <laughs> But you sometimes have to say that, you, you know, like, I chose well, I mean, this for myself. Healthcare, I think, is a difficult space to, like, advocate oh, sure. for yourself right. in no matter what. And especially, I've had doctors tell me, like, something, like, I, I had an issue with, like, my wisdom teeth, like, many years ago. And I was very young when I had them out, but I tried to advocate for myself. And I had a doctor tell me I didn't know what I was talking about. Ugh, and yeah. just different things like that. Yeah. <laughs> like There's a lack, there is, and I only hear this now from being more involved mm -hmm. in the birth community, but there is a whole lack of consent too, which mm -hmm. I think is a whole nother issue. And um, obviously I don't have all of the information, but mm -hmm. you hear stories from women you talk to and you hear stories of what happened to them in labor mm -hmm. and things that were done to them without their but consent. Okay. And to me, I'm like, listen, that is, I don't know. Like to me, that sounds like you're kind of being about a line was crossed and like, isn't that illegal like right here but some somewhere in the it's okay in the medical profession like you signed off somewhere that like that, they can, that was okay but, yeah. but maybe you didn't I don't I know. don't I don't think I think like for certain areas and when it comes mm -hmm. like I think when it comes to your body like you should just mm -hmm. be asked before things are done unless it's a true mm -hmm. life or death situation. well that reminds me of you know, the, the have you ever read or seen the movie of the immortal life of Henrietta Lacks no I have not it so it's a very very good book I read it it's like 300 pages and I read it in one day I could not put it down yeah. um, but it's about a poor woman or a woman who's living in poverty who's was black in the south in like the 30s and doctors took her cells to study and her cells are the HeLa cells which have been used and reproduced to basically cure diseases and they're she still no around today no she had no idea and yeah. her family was at the time was not educated and her family, you know, her, her cells were used to create a billion dollar business and her family didn't have health insurance. Right. And so that was done without her consent. And that was, that was actually a perfectly legal thing to do. Right. Um, because once your material, like I had my appendix out and it would have been perfectly legal for a doctor to take my appendix and do something yeah. with it. Not, right. I don't think you can do anything with an appendix, but like that was, yeah. it's perfectly legal. It's, it is a strange culture, and it's not to say, like, in every profession, there's strange things. Right. I don't know. But even at the hospital with when Vera was born, we didn't want her to leave the room. That was, again, one of mm -hmm. our decisions. We wanted to be with her 
at all times. Not because we thought she was going to be stolen, yeah. but because we <laughs> had like smashed. literally waited 42 For weeks yeah. plus the week of labor for her to be born, that we were just like, she's here and we don't we want, want her to go. Her. Yeah. yeah, it was like a very emotional time for us. And the nurse was just like, what's your problem? Like, why don't you want her to go? Like, are you like questioning that? And I'm just like, there's no want. guilt here. Like, yeah. that is what we want and that is okay. Like, that's mm-hmm. like, the hospital has to be okay with a parent mm-hmm. being with their baby. Like, yeah, absolutely. So that we can be with our baby like it's okay <laughs> and if we didn't want that fine like right but we did and so I just think it's like the questioning right. of why do you want this I like there's no place right. for that it's like if it's not life or death like and I want it then let me do it then it, it should be okay right you know I mean unless it's like hurting someone I don't right. think it is I don't think that is yeah but um I just I, just, I don't know there are things with birth and your body and labor and I just think like if you're going to be touching a woman's body, like, in any way, like, in, or just explain what you're doing. Right. And make sure you get some consent, right? Like, we're teaching mm-hmm. our girls that now, or teaching our children that, like, right. consent is so important. Like, why aren't we teaching? Why aren't we practicing Why, why are we practicing that? that as adults in <laughs> professions that are working with human bodies, right. you know? Right. To give some consent. Absolutely. So, so do you want to close us out with some women that you admire? Well, with some of the ones from, you know, just making a wave in the the birth community that I do admire was my own doctor was Dr. Catherine Morrison at the birthing center. There's Eileen Stewart, Maura Winkler, and then the incredible doulas that are supporting people in birth. Um, a few that I know personally that I just admire are my doula was Rebecca Mercurio, uh, Liz Bayer, pardon, Jen Lombardo, uh, Mary Miller was like really helpful after with all of my breastfeeding questions. Um, but those are the ones that I've been affected by personally. I know there's so many more. Um, and then I have some brave friends that I felt like I really wanted to talk about because I feel like I really admire them. Um, one of my friends, Shannon, who I was talking to you about before is launching a business called Stay A While, which is, um, she's, she created it to invite a lifestyle of enough and basically help. I think she's serving specifically women too, um, that just encouraging them they have enough, they are enough. And she uses the art of decluttering and organizing and home design to shift mindset um, from lack to abundance. Um, And then there's just like some people in the photography community that I admire. And when I was first starting my business and it was just me and I was just a woman, I remember hearing so many times that, first of all, that it was going to be very hard to do to start your own business. And second of all, it's very competitive and there's so many photographers and like, you know, basically, why are you doing that? Um, but You're a woman. Why yeah. are you doing that? And so I was really nervous about making friends in the industry because I was nervous it was competitive, but I I did because like I do value connection and the women that I still am friends with today that I've, you know, made connections with, um, I totally admire them as business owners and just people. Uh, there's Dawn Gibson, Mary Dordery, Alexandra Meske, Lydia Maybe, and Sarah Bridgman. And these women have all been such a great influence on me to run my business with integrity and also to keep going when things would get hard and to encourage each other and support each other because it does get hard running your own business. Um, And I felt like 
they are not only like smart and talented, but they also were vulnerable and they shared and they, um, I don't know, it's just like when you're starting something new and you don't know anything, like you need to lean on mm-hmm. people like that. So I admire these women because they took, um, they trusted in me to also share things that they were going through and vice versa. Like I was able to, and it, I'm still able to share with them and encourage each other as we kind of grow our businesses in new directions. So, oh, that's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> I'm to write it all down so I don't forget. <laughs> I did, did you get everybody? I did. Up. That's why I had a look. All right. Anything else you want to add? No, just thank you so much. Thank this you. was definitely one of those times where like everything in me was like, this is exciting, but like you should say no because it's scary and you're going to fail. <laughs> but now don't you feel better? Yeah, I feel That's better. You're, you're so comfortable to talk oh, to. You. And yeah, in your mind, you're just like, she's going to interview me. Like, but ask me tough questions. No, it's an a conversation. It's a conversation. It's not an interview. So tell my listeners one more time where they can find you if they're interested in um, photography or yeah, or you can find us on shawphotoco.com or alignedandkind.com and we have Instagram accounts for both of those um, and websites and you can find us there or you can find us at our home in North Buffalo <laughs> <laughs> with our dogs and babies. So. Well, thank you so much for being here. You're Christine. welcome. This is great. Yeah. Thank you for having me. So if you're looking to get in touch with Womankind, you can find me at Womankind Podcast on Facebook and Instagram on my website at www.womankindpodcast.com or you can email me at womankindpodcast at gmail.com. Thanks for listening. Bye friends.